Bienvenido a El Diet Presents, un podcast de música de videojuegos. Soy El Diet y esto, todo el mundo salsa. So right off the bat, I want to give a shout out slash thank you to Carlos of the Heroes 3 podcast. He was the one who uh, suggested this topic and um, I thought it was a cool idea and decided to run with it. He was also really helpful in getting some ideas for tracks. I picked a couple that he recommended and actually Keyglyph of the video game music jukebox or VGM jukebox was also uh, good at sending me a few track recommendations to include in the episode today. So thank you to both of them and, um, you know, hope you enjoy the show. Bringing us in this week is a track from the game Clockwork Night 2. Known as Clockwork Night Pepper Chao no Daiboken Gekkan in Japan, the game was a side-scrolling platformer released for the Sega Saturn in 1995. The basic story isn't particularly unique. At the stroke of midnight, the toys in your playroom come to life. In this case, awakened by Chelsea, the clockwork fairy princess. If you asked me to guess, I would have 100% said that the Clockwork Knight franchise was trying to capitalize on the Toy Story movie, but the original game was a Sega Saturn launch title in 1994 and the sequel debuted in Japan, four months before Toy Story hit theaters. So instead, maybe Sega was inspired by the 1986 TV movie, The Christmas Toy. Produced by the Jim Henson Company and featuring some of the Muppets themselves, the plot too involves sentient toys. When no people are around, the toys still play in the playroom, 
but since a toy will be frozen forever if a person catches it out of position, they have to be very careful. The Christmas toy came out on my second birthday, but I distinctly recall having a VHS copy growing up. My guess is that because my mom loved Jim Henson, she probably recorded it for herself as much as for me. Either way, I fondly remember watching it as a kid. Over a decade later, the movie was spun off into a TV show called The Secret Life of Toys. Running for only a single season in 1994, I guess it helped usher in the era of sentient toy fiction. It's strange to me that they all seem to converge to peak in 1994, though. But I digress. In case you haven't picked up on it, the theme of this week's episode is not 1980s Christmas movies, but salsa music. I've taken a few creative liberties, more on that soon, but by and large, I think these tracks are true to the salsa genre instead of the more common generic Latin music that VGM often features. But before I get too far ahead of myself, the track kicking off the show is called Salsa de Pepper Chao Fiesta de los Amigos. It was composed by Hirofumi Murasaki. Pepper Chao is himself the eponymous clockwork knight. And lastly, before I move on, the game itself is pretty well reviewed. Considering it was a minor title on an utterly failed system, it scores well and is said to hold up pretty decently too. From what I understand, the game is almost a complete continuation of the original. This has been attributed to the rushed release to meet the console debut. Sega basically chopped off a chunk of the game and worked it into a standalone title. Because of this, the sequel is regarded as the superior game because, well, it had the benefit of more time and energy. Also, according to Sega Retro, there was a second sequel, Clockwork Knight Penguin War, which never made it past the beta stage. Another possible sequel titled Night Night was scheduled to appear on the GameCube as an RPG, but again was never released. If Professor Abrasive ever releases his Satiator, I'm hoping to pick up a copy of it. For those of you who don't know, it is, uh, well, let's just say it lets you play an awful lot of Sega games on your Saturn, but you don't have to own those games. Uh, I've said too much, I can hear the feds knocking on my door. Let's move on to an NES double set. The first track is my most questionable pick of the episode, but I think if you give it a listen with an open mind, you'll hear the spirit of salsa music in there. Also, there is a pretty cool pure salsa cover version that I will link to on the blog post for the episode. Anyway, enough preamble. First, from the game Mega Man 3, composed by Harumi Fujita, credited as Mrs. Tarumi, this is the Gemini Man stage. Then, from Star Tropics, composed by Yoshio Hirai, this is Cave. Thank you. 
when a game has multiple composers, I typically won't attempt to find the specific tracks each person worked on. And instead, I credit them as sort of a team. But in this instance, I happen to see an interview with Harumi Fujita, wherein she specifically states, For Mega Man 3, I composed the Gemini Man and Needle Man stages, as well as the staff role. I had to drop out during the middle of development and leave the company to give birth to my child, so I ended up having Yasuaki Fujita take over for me. Mega Man is a hit series, so I was happy to have been involved in such a series. I wanted to see the project through to the end, but I was going to the hospital a lot during my pregnancy. I found it to be a regrettable retirement from the company. So there you have it. Also, since Mega Man fans feel it's important to separate into camps, I will tell you that Mega Man 3 is my favorite, not 2. It was the first one I owned, so I have a really strong nostalgic connection, plus the slide move is really fun to me. As for Star Tropics, it's a criminally overlooked action RPG developed and published by Nintendo for the NES 1990. The game was directed by industry luminary Genryo Takeda, most notable for probably the Punch-Out game, but despite that fact, the game was never intended for a Japanese release. It was an American and European exclusive title. There is a great episode of The Gaming Historian that covers Star Tropics, so I will leave it to Norm to fill you in, but check the blog for a link. Anyway, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but I have 10 tracks today, so that means we need to go ahead and play some more music. Next up is another double set, this time coming from the PC. First, from the game The Incredible Machine 3, composed by Loudmouth Productions and Jan Paul Moorhead, or possibly Jan Paul Moorhead, performed by Tim Clark and Christopher Stevens. This track is called Salsa. Then, from the game The Sims 2, composed by Kirk Casey, the track is called Dance the Dawn.
More listeners are probably familiar with the 2013 release, Contraption Maker, than they are with the Incredible Machine series. All of them were produced by Jeff Tunnel. Contraption Maker, though, is the spiritual successor to what is essentially a Rube Goldberg machine sandbox. Rube Goldberg was an American cartoonist, sculptor, author, engineer, and inventor, best known for a series of popular cartoons depicting complicated gadgets that perform simple tasks in indirect, convoluted ways, giving rise to the term Rube Goldberg machines for any similar gadget or process. Side note, if you were wondering what Rube could possibly be short for, it is short for Ruben, not like they weren't calling him a hayseed. Goldberg was honored many times for his work, including the exceedingly prestigious Pulitzer Prize for his political cartooning in 1948. Also, Rube Goldberg machines are the close cousin to Japanese Chindogu, or the art of inventing ingenious everyday gadgets that seem like an ideal solution to a particular problem, but are in fact useless. Notable examples include a baby onesie with a mop attachment so your crawling child can clean your floors for you, or a shoe umbrella. That one is sorta self-explanatory. But even more amusingly, a 1995 Japanese catalog of Chindogu features the now ubiquitous, if totally lame, selfie stick. That's right, it was invented 20 years ago in Japan. Uh, where was I? Uh, yeah, The Incredible Machine. My family had the original version of the game, and from what I remember, I really enjoyed it. It's a mix between a puzzle game and a contraption sandbox, but totally worth it. I'm certain you can probably find it on Abandonware sites, if not on some platform like Good Old Games. I haven't played it recently, but I played enough hours of it to know that it has some staying power. And briefly, on The Sims 2, the original soundtrack was composed by Mark Mothersbaugh, however, a few of the radio tunes were done by other artists. This track is one of the radio stations you have available in the game. Moving on, next we're going to be playing a track from the game Animal Crossing. For the Nintendo 64, composed by Kazumi Totaka, Kenta Nagata, Toru Minigishi, and Shinobu Tanaka, this track is called KK Salsa.
So what even is salsa music and where did it come from? Well, the word itself translates to English as sauce, but it's used to denote music that spices and enlivens things. Its musical origins are debated, but most agree that it has some roots in Cuban son music. This, in turn, is an Afro-Cuban blend. Salsa features a lot of the same instruments as the Cuban roots, like maracas, conga, bongo, tambora, and cowbell, and the instruments and the singers often mimic the call and response patterns of traditional African songs. And while most people agree that the roots of the music are in Cuba, most also agree that the birthplace of salsa is in 1960s New York City, and probably thanks to Puerto Rico. There was an influx of Puerto Rican immigrants in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Almost a million people headed to the mainland. This coincided with the growth in interest Americans began to take in Latino dance styles. To quote an article by Mariah Ore, Puerto Ricans and others of Latino descent who migrated to the U.S. mid-century were confronted with a new culture and new surroundings which resulted in a reactionary nostalgia for the influences of their heritage. And of course, as these cultural aspects were reignited in this new place, they in turn influenced the host country, the United States. This led to the creation of new dance styles, one of which is salsa. So in short, to paraphrase, New Yorkans, uh, kind of longing for their home, keeping on to their culture, taught white people how to dance fun. Yeah, that works. I will admit that uh, despite being married to a Puerto Rican woman, I didn't know that it um, that salsa music originated like in New York. I thought it was, well, I thought it was more of a blend. I knew Puerto Rican was like that. Puerto Rican culture was like a big influence and responsible for salsa, but I didn't know that it had kind of like a epicenter in New York and I told my wife like hey have you heard about this and she gave me like the coldest no duh of all time so you know maybe this is something that more people realize than I do but uh, I was pretty impressed by it at the very least if you are married to a Puerto Rican woman do not treat this as some piece of trivia that they will not know next a Genesis double feature First, from the game Party Quiz Mega Q, composed by Hirofumi Murasaki. The track is called Salsa de MQ. Then, from the game Aerobiz, composed by Taku Iwasaki. The track is called Latin America.
Both of these games are reasonably goofy. Party Quiz Mega Q is a gasp quiz game developed and published by Sega, released on the Genesis in 1983. It's designed like a TV quiz show, and the player acts as one of the contestants. The game boasted up to five players simultaneously, and while I originally thought that that meant you must have surely needed to daisy chain some multi-taps, I remembered that the Mega Drive's multiplayer adapter had a whopping four controller inputs. Also, in a simultaneously hilarious and infuriating move, the game features commercial breaks wherein Sega products are featured. Nice. Aerobiz, on the other hand, was a business simulation game released for the Genesis, SNES, and a handful of Japanese PC platforms in 1992. Developed and published by Koei, the game puts the player in the role of a CEO for an emerging international airline. You can play against the computer AI or face off against another player in Couch Battle. The limited reviews I saw were very positive and the game saw both a sequel and later remake. Sim games are generally kind of easy targets to poke fun at because, well, they just sound dull, but I've enjoyed almost every sim game I've ever played. SimCity 2000 was a huge part of my childhood, and I know I dumped countless hours into Roller Coaster Tycoon. So, while it sounds kind of goofy, I don't doubt that it has drawing power, and I'm sure it actually has some fun nuggets in there. I did see some criticism that you can be behind in almost every single statistic, and as long as you meet the, um, Kind of the win conditions first you will win regardless of how far behind you are so that might be frustrating but um i don't really think sim games are typically competitive uh, so maybe it's not an issue and one piece of meta commentary i almost picked a track from sonic the hedgehog 3 to play in this block it was one of the recommendations from keyglyph and i also liked the music i even got so far as to start writing up notes before it hit me Wait a minute, I don't play Sonic music... yet. So I had to scrap it and swap in the Aerobiz joint. Anyway, next we're going to take a trip to Game Boy Town. Composed by Minako Hamano and Kozue Ishikawa from the game Zelda Link's Awakening off the Game Boy, this is Player Select Zelda.
this track is a bit of an easter egg. The Latin-influenced take on the Zelda classic plays if you enter your name as all caps ZELDA in player select mode. Uh, using another kind of code, you can get a version of the famous Totaka's song jingle as well. I'm not going to belabor this game. For more on Link's Awakening generally, go back and check out the Zelda episode I did, and for more on Zelda generally too, I guess. And that pretty much takes us to the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed getting a little bit of a Latin flavor in your life. There are a lot more tracks out there than I was expecting, and I have probably a whole episode of what I'm calling lounge music, too. More on that to come, but um, probably not the next episode. But you never know. Also, salsa music and Puerto Rico are kind of inextricably intertwined in my mind. I have been fortunate enough to go to Puerto Rico many times and see my in-laws and kind of explore the island a little bit. And, um, you know, it's truly tragic what happened with the hurricanes. There's a lot of people who are really struggling. So if you have it in your heart to volunteer or donate anything, there are people who still don't reliably have power. This was six months ago that they got knocked with this hurricane. Um, it's just a it's a sad situation and I feel badly for the island. I hope that they can get on their feet again and I hope I can go back again and visit someday myself. Um, it's it's a it's a great place. It's magical and I'm I'm rooting for them. Anyway, before I go as always, special thanks to Alan Euler aka Periodical for mixing and editing the show. You can follow the show at thediadpresents.blogspot.com where I post the track list for the show and I have promised to post a whole bunch of other stuff for this particular blog post. We'll see if I remember. You can subscribe via your favorite podcatcher and don't forget to rate the show on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at The Dyad and you can email me at thediadpresents at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page you can find by searching for the name of the podcast or by at the dyad. There's also a Facebook group, and while you're on Facebook, join in every VGM podcast group you can. Why don't you go ahead and check out the Messengers group, the VGM podcast fans. Until next time, from the game Outrun 2006, Coast to Coast, and that's two with the number. And also, no, it's not Magical Sound Shower. It's a track called Radiation on the Xbox or PlayStation 2, composed by Hiroshi Kawaguchi, Fumio Ito, and Richard Jakes. See you later, everybody. (laughs) 